Welcome, my friends, to the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, find our sweet spot, and planting our seeds to watch them grow in our magic garden. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? Welcome to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today we have an amazing guest, Denise Grzynski, who has the great book about her dog, Harley. Uh, Harley's story, not, not like any others. So I want to welcome Denise. Denise, thank you so much for coming on and tell us a little bit about Harley and Harley's story. Hi, thank you for having me, David. I'm really excited to be with you. Um, I love your mission. And your mission fits right into my story with Harley. So I'm a nurse practitioner. And back in 2010, my rescue dog, Harley, I ended up drinking a lot of water, having potty accidents um, and going to the bathroom more frequently. And I called up my vet and said, you know, in a human that's diabetes, what does that happen to be in a dog? And he said, diabetes, bring him right in. And I did. And at the time that I brought him in, I'll never forget the vet looking at me and saying, you know, very often with pets, the owners are not as tuned into their symptoms. And by the time they bring them in, their organs are starting to shut down. They're in more organ failure. And so sometimes we have to put them down. So this is really great that you were paying that much attention to your dog's symptoms. And I just thought, you know what, this is something every kid, every adult, we can all be watching for in our pets. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, being attentive to everything is so huge. And, uh, you know, so I, I read the, your, your book. And so Harley had a, a rough life. Uh, the first human who came into Harley's life really didn't stick around. And at least in the book, Harley was concerned that maybe you wouldn't with this diagnosis. How do you That's do true. Yeah. He, um, he actually had had it pretty tough. You, you knew by how he resource guarded over food. So when he first came into my life, what resource guarding is, is for a pet who'd been neglected or hadn't been fed on a regular basis, they start guarding the things that are most valuable to them. And as you can imagine, like to any of us, food is a huge resource. Most of us that's high up on the Maslow's hierarchy <laughs> scale. And so he would resource guard it. You couldn't come anywhere near his bowl when you first, when we first rescued him. So he did have it pretty tough growing up, but he, he learned, um, as he says in the book, I learned to love the people who love me. Yeah. Which is a great message is, is, you know, if you give love, you get love, you know, and, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, and obviously peace and love. What are some of the things that bring you peace and love in relation to just life in general or Harley's story? So I really believe that pets teach us important life lessons. I think that animals like Harley that come from really tough places, it's amazing how forgiving they are and how they demonstrate unconditional love to us. It's, it's such an important thing for we as humans to understand as well, to forgive and to love unconditionally. It, how they can have come from an, they can come from a place where they were being abused, they were being beaten, and yet they can come into a family. And when 
somebody's got the time and the patience to really spend the time to help them learn unconditional love, you'll experience it like no other. It it's just it's the most amazing thing in the world to experience unconditional love from a pet. Yeah, pet, pets are, are amazing. I, no matter what you do, that that is one of the great examples of unconditional loves. And um, you know, I've I've had some dogs over my life and, and, and cats. So you just know that. And right now, I'm I'm taking care of my chinchilla. Uh, so it, it, it's oh. great. My my chinchilla Bubba and, and I we we, <laughs> we we have a good time. Uh, so yeah. So how did so obviously you observed and because you knew being a nurse practitioner you knew the, the, what would happen in humans how often do the same symptoms show up in animals that they do in that, that you see in humans as well So it turns out there is a huge crossover I in the last 10 years I find it completely unbelievable how many symptoms cross over and even treatments So and dogs are kind of, I, I aching it to children. I joke around all the time that having a dog is like having a toddler that never learns to speak in behavior and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you think about children, they don't oftentimes, they oftentimes they can't put into words what they're feeling. So for instance, my seven-year-old will say my stomach hurts. Well, it's because he's hungry and his tummy's growling, but he's saying that his stomach hurts. So, but the symptoms, if you're observing are very, very similar. So a child who's been potty trained already previously, that's starting to have accidents again, that can be a sign of diabetes in combination with excessive urination, um, excessive drinking, weight loss or weight gain, and then sometimes having increased amounts of infections. Specifically, if you look at, so if you're the excessive urination is the body is trying to eliminate all that excess sugar. And so you end up getting a lot of sugar in the urine and urinary tract infections are really common in diabetics. So if you're suddenly noticing an increase of infections, that could be a sign as well. And same for kids and dogs say to people is if you, if you really pay attention as a parent, as of humans, as a pet parent, and you really know what their normals are. It's so important to know what their normals are so that if you notice behavioral changes, if you notice being cranky can be another sign of it as well. So if you notice behavioral changes, if you notice physical changes and symptoms that you go directly to your vet or your pediatrician, and that in and of itself is a really important piece, because if you have a vet or a pediatrician that makes you feel guilty for asking them questions, then that's usually as a provider, I want you to ask me questions. And I I do understand that I deal with 18 and up at this point in my career, but I want you to ask me questions. That's the way for us to work together for your health. And I feel that a vet and a pediatrician should be doing the same thing. So if they're not, it may be a time to kind of look for a new vet or a new pediatrician. All right. Yeah. So observation is one, as you said. Now, I know I didn't mention, but I want my the guests to know to the audience to know that Harley is a Yorkshire Terrier. So it, uh, and it, it's a regular size Yorkshire Terrier versus the, the teacup version, mm-hmm. but, uh, they're still not very large. So to, to notice that he was drinking a lot of water, that's noticeable because it's, a, it's he's such a small dog. Exactly. Yeah. He was about 13 pounds, okay. which makes a difference in treatment too. So when you look at insulin, so dogs are treated 
the same way that humans are treated as far as insulin goes. So we used human insulin to treat Harley, the same as you would use in a person. And, you know, in a, in a person, they can end up, you know, at 40 units of insulin in a larger dog, you can end up with 40 units of insulin. Um, but we were using, we ended up when we stabilized, he was two units twice a day. So that's a substantial difference in the amount of insulin that's being used to. Now, uh, so being a special needs uh, puppy mom is different than a special needs parent. Now, again, in your book, you brought up the, the, the possibility that, you know, Harley thought that maybe because he wasn't, you know, fine uh, medically that somebody would, you would give him up. Did that even go through your mind? Never, not even once. Yeah, no. Once you once you see those eyes, I can't imagine anybody. I I have a friend who uh, who is taking care of dogs, and I always say, if I ever come back in another life, that's the house I want to go to. Uh, right. They they don't have children, but their dogs are treated much better than uh, than anybody else. Well, and it's interesting because, so my husband and I went through four rounds of in vitro unsuccessfully. We got married at 36 and we, uh, in 2008, September of 2018, we, um, brought in four siblings, uh, and adopted them in May of 2019. And it's, it's a similar type of thing that you hear from. So they are, they were one, two, three, and four, when they moved in, they are four, five, six, and seven now, but there is that, there's that thought that, am I going to be given up if I'm, if I'm behaving badly, if I become too much trouble. And what's really fascinating is that that's an aspect of the story that I had never even dreamed about when I wrote the first version in 2013. It wasn't until the kids moved in that I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's actually a huge piece of this in the story as well. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, that. That, that unfortunately people feel that way. And, I, and I'm sure our dogs feel that way. I mean, I, you know, you, you've, if you've rescued a dog ever or uh, any pet, you know, that there's that initial panic of like wh- what's going on. Not only can't they understand that their environment has been changed, but all the other pieces uh, of it, especially if the animal has been raised. I mean, like my chinchilla, he was raised for the first two and a half years at somebody else's house. And then they were giving him up, for rescue and we took him on and um, as my kids yell at me uh, his name is Bubba but the night before we got him we changed it to Ollie and now they yell at me I'm not allowed to call him Ollie because he knows his name um, <laughs> he doesn't but I, I when, when they're around every now and then I'll go back Ollie come on I know you like it and he just he, he he's cute so definitely having pets in, in your life is really important now, um, part of her, her, uh, the book also talks about other disabilities, how other pets, are, how familiar are you with dealing with other pets uh, with disabilities? So we did end up with a rescue right after uh, Harley went to the Rainbow Bridge. We ended up with um, a dog that ended up with Cushing. He was a senior rescue and he ended up with Cushing's and um, arthritis so I got to learn how those cross over into human treatment and adjust food, made a lot of food adjustments. I have a whole blog post about how to choose a dog food. And, um, and then as far as the other animals go, Abby, the cat that he meets in the book with asthma, that was actually one of my really good friends. That was her cat. Um, and I found it fascinating. This 
this was before Harley had diabetes. I found it so fascinating that you can use the children's um, spacers in order to give, she was actually giving her cat albuterol treatments the same way that you would give a child with asthma albuterol treatments, that little spacer. So there's a picture. Um, I, this second version, I did an updated version. That's the one that's, that's just being released. But in that I have an illustration, but it is actually my girlfriend, uh, and her cat, Abby getting a, uh, getting a breathing treatment with albuterol. It was just, it's fascinating. And then he meets, you know, a three-legged dog and he meets a, a blind and deaf dog and he actually loses his eyesight as well. Um, early because of his diabetes. So we learn how to adjust to that as well in the book. So uh, how do you, cho- how, how did your children, when you adopted them, uh, was, was Harley still here or what were, they were there for the transition? We had already, um, Harley had already passed to the rainbow bridge. If you haven't heard of the rainbow bridge poem, <laughs> if you're a pet owner, or if you're a pet owner or you're not a pet owner, it's you, you, if you're a pet owner, you're going to ball your eyes out when you read it. But <laughs> Yep. It's it's quite the uh, nice. In fact, that's the next life lessons from fur friends. I'm actually going to write a children's. The next book is going to be about grief for kids. But Harley had already passed, and actually Shasta, which was our next dog, had already passed. And I had been volunteering for a local shelter for approximately a year because we had started looking into adoption by that time. And I knew that bringing, I knew I wanted a rescue, and I knew that bringing a rescue into our home even if they were okay with children and other animals, if they moved into a home without children or animals and we didn't have any kids on the horizon yet. So it could have been six months. It could have been a year. It could have been two years. You know, people wait a long time to be matched with their children and that would put the rescue at risk for having to leave our home again, because then they would have gotten comfortable in a home with only two adults. And then you suddenly add children. So that's a long kind of way around. I kept volunteering and it killed me to not have a dog in our house, but I just kept doing it. And when the kids moved in, in September, uh, the rescue called me and said, Hey, we have a puppy mill escapee that has been living at the rescue director's home and has puppies. Do you want one of the puppies? We know you've got the kids now. And I just went, I've got a one, two, three, and four-year-old. I don't think I can do a puppy guys. Yes. How badly I want a dog, but I don't think I can do a puppy. And they said, well, what about the mom? We know she does really well with all other animals. She's a really sweet caregiver for her puppies. And so that's, we ended up a month after the kids moved in, we rescued Sierra and the kids were able to help. In fact, one of my kids was with me when I went to pick her up from the shelter. So it, it was, everybody thought I was crazy Four kids and a, and a new dog into the house, but I had four months off of work. And I said, this is the best time to do the transition for them. It's I can do it all together. And there were a lot of moments where I would hear Sierra growl and I would be somewhere in the house going, Sierra's saying, no, thank you. Sierra's saying, no, thank you. Whatever you're doing, please step away. <laughs> She's saying, no, thank you. <laughs> so obviously they've all adjusted to each other. Uh, again, I can't imagine four toddlers uh, and a dog, <laughs> but that's how you build a family, right? That, that, that's sort of how things come together uh, piece by piece and you work through those challenges. Now, I, I know you've learned a lot of uh, life lessons through, through our furry friends. What's another life lesson that you might have experienced? Um, 
I, we already kind of touched base on it as far as the unconditional love and forgiveness. Those are, I just keep coming back to those because it, we find it so hard as humans to forgive or to see something from an, another person's perspective. And that's, that's another b- book that's on the, <laughs> that's on the horizon um, is because, you know, the animal world just teaches us so much about um, their acceptance. So acceptance, forgiveness, unconditional love, they're, they're pretty, pets are pretty amazing things. If somebody hasn't had one in their life, it's hard to completely understand what they do for us. But we know research shows having a pet decreases blood pressure, decreases stress, um, all of those things. Yeah. And I agree, no matter what size the pet, and it doesn't have to be as interactive of, you know, like a dog or a cat and things like that. Like I, I'll, I'll share with you the, my, again, Bubba, New Year's Eve, I was here by myself and I bought this big basketball plastic ball and nobody could be as happy as a chinchilla running in a plastic ball on New Year's Eve. He, <laughs> he is the happiest little boy uh, when, when he's running in his ball. And Please tell me you have a video somewhere that you can I post do. or yeah, that's I, up. I, I did post it. So if you check, check out my Facebook page. And, okay. and that's exactly what I said is nobody could be as happy. And then somebody had, was like, oh, it doesn't look safe for him. And I was like, no, it's, it, I, I, there's, there's holes in it. And I didn't make it. It was, you know, bought that way. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so he's, he's one of my favorite things that helped me through COVID because uh, at times I was by myself and I would, every night I would go talk to him. Even now I go talk to him and give him these little dried strawberries and that's the interacting. He, you know, it's, it's, it's really a lot of fun uh, interacting with animals uh, and I think that makes us special. Yeah. You know, they teach kids how to, they use um, animal specifically therapy, trained therapy animals, but in libraries and stuff for kids to learn to read to because of that lack of judgment, right? <laughs> the animal will sit beside them and they can be learning how to read out loud. Um, but the animal's not going to judge them when they mess up a word. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's true. Now through this process, was there anything you had to unlearn? I'm trying to think unlearn. Hmm. That's a really good question that I haven't thought about. I had to, I I definitely had to readjust how I thought about finances and animals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's incredibly important to be prepared for the fact that animals can, you know, animals, even if they're healthy, should be getting their regular vet checks and we should be, oh, and food. I guess that was a massive thing for me. I didn't, yes, I had to unlearn that it was just an easy thing to feed a pet and that you could just choose any dog food and it was fine. That was a really big, that was a really big deal. I had no idea what goes into dog food and what things to be aware of. Um, You know, if, if it's got the word byproduct in front of it, it can be, it can be diseased animals that we're feeding our pets. So, I mean, I, I, I get that you have to be kind of a pet parent to go down those lines and to be that interested in it. But if you own a pet, then you likely are enough of a pet parent that that's something that's important. And so it, it really, I wish I had known then what I know now, part of me wonders if I had known all of these things about pet food before, if I would have been able to have 
done something to prevent what ended up inevitably happening. And you can't sit and dwell on that because then you feel really guilty and you can feel guilty your whole life for things. But um, I do real, I do wonder though, um, the first pet food that was, it was a prescription dog food after he'd been diagnosed with diabetes and we were having a horrible time getting his blood sugars controlled. And so I started researching pet food. Honestly, I know more about pet nutrition. Now I send my human patients to nutritionists. I know more about pet food now than I know about human nutrition, but, um, I started doing a lot of research and I went back into my vet and I was like, do you know that the main filler ingredient in this dog food is ground beets, which as a carbohydrate, that's a carbohydrate sugar. And we're wondering why we can't control his, his blood sugars. And she called the prescription place that they had received the vet food or the pet food from. And their response to her was tell your client to stop picking apart our dog food piece by piece. (laughs) And she just looked at me and she goes, it's okay. Don't worry. Go figure out what you're going to feed him. Come back and tell me, and I'll just update your chart. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a very good vet that was willing to let me do my own research and figure out my own stuff about that because it was just, it was shocking. That's a diabetic dog food and you're putting sugar as your primary filler. Yep. Yeah. And right. It's one of those fillers and that's the big, big, scary piece of that is when they look at the business end of it. Um, all right, so that's, a, that's, that's another lesson to, to have learned. Um, and, and so being a rescuer has obviously impacted your family uh, in, in, in a great way. How are the kids now adjusting with raising the, the dog? They do amazing. And I, it's kind of every now and again, they'll go, Oh mom, can I feed Sierra? Mom, dad, can I feed? So they, they want to feed Sierra. And I think, Oh goodness, I need to like, harness this forever. Cause they're still so young that they're wanting to help with chores. Can I get her water? Can I let her outside? And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so much help. I mean, I went from being single, taking care of a diabetic dog to now having four children that can help take care of our dog. Now she's pretty healthy, but, and it teaches, so it teaches them responsibility. It teaches, you know, it gives them some self-respect and self-esteem that they're helping care for the pet. It, that it decreases their blood pressure, decreases their stress. In fact, I'm really hoping to make her a PTSD dog mm-hmm. so that she sit so for, for the whole thing. I was in a car accident when I was younger. So for kind of the whole family outside of my, my husband doesn't really have PTSD, but <laughs> <laughs> um, the rest of us do. So <laughs> I'm really hoping to make her a PTSD dog eventually. Yeah. Just wait for four, four toddlers will always give you a little level of PTSD, but in a good way. Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely is one of those things that is a, is a challenge and uh, it, it sounds great. Keep the kids as far as you can uh, doing chores and, and things like that, because when you don't break it, they, it, it becomes a challenge to, to start that process again. Now, um, so it seems like there's a lot of similarities. And, and I know in the book, you also mentioned about bullying. How did Harley help out with, with that? So I always wanted to go into a school with a little bit more. I, as an author coming to a school, I just thought there's, there's so much that Harley can teach us. So what's something more I can do? And a good friend of mine took a job with um, Wayside Waves, which is a rescue out of Kansas City. And they actually have a no more bullying program. So 
part of that whole process kind of it, well, not just kind of, is the fact that we know that bullying really comes from a lack of power, right? A lack of self-esteem, a lack of power, a lack of social skills. And so the person is exerting it on whoever is perceived to be less powerful. Um, And that oftentimes is animals. Research has definitely showed that that's animals a lot. In fact, oftentimes some of our scarier like serial killers and stuff like that have started, will tell you, you know, in the, in the data and the research that they started out by torturing animals. So, and then kids with special needs that are perceived as different and potentially a bit weaker can be bullied as well. Now, sometimes they're the bully because they have that lack of sense of power as well. But so what Wayside Waves has done is it has taken seven key kind of key principles that are responsibility, compassion, being humane, having self-control, having integrity, respect, and courage. That actually is more than, no, that's seven, so (laughs) more than five days. Um, But, and it's a program that I have actually bought into. I have the workbooks for it as well. So if I come into a school, obviously with COVID, I haven't been able to do that but I have workbooks based on certain age levels all the way from first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade workbooks to come in. And it can either be a five-day program in your school, or I've converted it to a one-day program as well, where we just take a couple of the worksheets out of it to teach some of those core values to help prevent bullying. And they, they learn that through the compassion for animals and the responsibility that goes along with animals. Do you have any ideas? So obviously we're going, we're we're still uh, experiencing this pandemic uh, is there any other advice that you could give for either for pet owners or or parents that, that we can learn from the Harley lessons about? Dealing well, with- it's really hard. I think the pan- with even the pandemic, I see it in in our dog Sierra. You know, she was completely comfortable with other animals. Other people did fine, and now you take her out for a walk, and another dog is across the street, and her tail's wagging. Her whole body is showing you that she's excited to see this other animal, but she is barking incredibly aggressively. So it's almost like she has, she's forgotten how to say hello in a nice way and use nice, respectful words. So I think that those are, those are big social skills, right? Because it's all been online, which has increased actually cyberbullying by almost 70% is what research is showing because you can be behind a screen and be doing it. So I think just continuing to teach our kids and it's, believe me, times four for us with small kids, it feels like I'm a broken record and then I've got a dog on top of that. So it's like a broken record all day, but use your words, use kind words, Um, you know, use not scary words when we're talking to each other. I really like. I really like kind of that verbiage for it, not using scary words to describe our feelings, that our feelings are all okay. Being scared about the pandemic, being worried about what might happen, those feelings are okay. It's what we do with those feelings. It's how we turn those around and act on those feelings. And so learning, continuing to learn that process, and you can just keep presenting that we need it ourselves as adults. So, and can continue to present that to ourselves and our kids and, um, and our dogs. I'm, it's going to take a bit to get Sierra reacclimated into being around other animals. So, how are you going to go do that? Uh, do, do you have any suggestions on how to do that uh, for our audience? So, I do it slowly. We have a small bubble right now. Um, although my husband and I are both fully vaccinated because he uh, works in a hospital and I'm a nurse practitioner. So, we're both fully vaccinated at the moment and we have kept our bubble pretty small, but a 
couple of those people in the bubble have animals. And so we're just in a backyard space. They recommend um, not having the pets on leashes because that seems to prevent some more aggravation. Uh, If you have a reactive dog, that's not who I'm talking to because there are reactive dogs that were active prior to the pandemic. And if they're, if they're getting nippy, um, then you probably need to look deeper into this, into some behavioral things. And there are some places, um, online, when you look at behavioral, look at resource guarding. Um, there was a book that was recommended to me when I got Harley, that was it's mine. And it has a little dog on the front of it and he's grabbing something and saying mine. And it's all about resource guarding for dogs and they can resource guard people. So that might be an option, but digging a little deeper, but with Sierra, we've been okay with just doing a slow reintroduction. Our anybody, you know, my, we had one dog come over. She did really well and played with that dog. And so then our other, our babysitter that's also in our bubble has two dogs and she brought her two dogs over so that they could play in the backyard. But you, you gotta be on top of it. You gotta be watching them. Uh, so that any aggressive behavior is caught really, really quick. And if your animal has already been aggressive at home without that introduction, again, make sure you talk to your vet and you dig deeper so that you try to prevent the injuries. Yeah, that sounds excellent. I mean, but observation is, you know, that's, that's been the theme for today, right? Observation and then evaluating and things like that. Now, one of the things I'm going to leave you with is, well, Harley has an R in it and Sierra has probably two R's in it. I have one of the things where there's always an R in your heart. It's about grounding yourself with earth and heart are the same letters, just rearranged differently. Do you have a favorite R word that you might use? Rescue. That's awesome. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. Mm -hmm. Our family through adoption and rescue. The kids rescued us and we rescued them and the dog rescues us and we rescued the dog. It's, it's that famous saying who rescued who. That's exactly it. I, I, I never know who rescues who. And, um, that's the beauty of it. And that's that un- unconditional love to bringing back. So I, I thank you for sharing Harley's story. Do you have anything that you want to leave, with, leave, leave us with? You've given so many gems on how to identify some things in the same conditions could be in humans as well as in our pets and our furry pets. Uh, furry. I think I think one of the hacks that I really want to leave people with for their animals is that we started a special savings account where we put a small percentage of money into the savings account for our animal. And that can be used for anything that can be used for vet visits. It can be used for preventative care. It can be used for dog food or pet food in general, but it was one of the best things that was ever said to me. And it only happened after Harley had been diagnosed with diabetes that somebody had given that recommendation. Um, But I think starting a savings account for your pet so that you can afford emergencies um, and preventative care. Yeah, no, that is huge. I have to tell you, that's a big learning for me because that's one of the reasons why currently I don't have a dog uh, for, for that, that that challenge. And that I know my kids, luckily they probably don't listen to the show, but if they, if they do, <laughs> um, they're, they're teenagers. But uh, if they do, that's going to be like, all right, so dad, you can you know afford $5 or here, all the change when I get them out, I'll, I'll tell them, I'll leave that in a jar, in a jar. And we'll make that as a, a pet jar. Uh, that's awesome. That, that's an excellent thing. So thank you so much. And I, I look forward to the book being uh, published. And it's going to be released by the time the, this episode will drop. 
it will have mm-hmm. already been launched. So it, it, where is it going to be? It's going to be on Amazon. It'll where? be on Amazon. Yes. And be very careful when you go to Amazon because there are two editions of the book. So, and then the updated edition is, is much improved. A lot of more editing, the photos have been updated. So you're looking for not like the others, Harley story, life lessons from fur friends. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll definitely do it. Uh, and I'll make sure the, when on the show notes, we'll have the, uh, all the links. So if, if you send me all the links, I'll make sure that mm-hmm. that's included in, in the, um, the, sh- the show notes. And, you know, I'd probably want, would love to keep connecting with you to hear about uh, your, all your, all of your rescue family and how you rescued each other. And, and I'm sure there'll be amazing stories. Well, I thank you for having me and I'm, I'd be happy to stay in contact. Okay. Well, guys, it was the, it's the end of another episode. So I just want you to remember, find your peace and love in your family, wherever that is. And then also, if when you need to bring a bat, bring a bat. But that's not the violence. It's all about taking a stand, getting the right information like we just heard today, and make sure that you live in love. Thank you very much. I am really glad that you're enjoying the show, and I hope you follow us on all the podcast hosting sites, as well as Facebook, Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Or you can follow me, Uncle Dave, David Chemetsky, at Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, and www.davidshemetsky.com. I also would enjoy for you to contact me if you want to just have some feedback. You need somebody to talk to at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. Well, my friends, today's journey has come to a close. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember the peace and love surround you that will assist you to rise again. And don't forget to bring a bat for what you believe in. Namaste.